Part five, chapters five to seven of the Voyages of Doctor Doolittle by Hugh Lofting. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter five, war. On our way back to the village, the doctor began discussing natural history with Long Arrow, but their most interesting talk, mainly about plants, had hardly begun when an Indian runner came dashing up to us with a message. Long Arrow listened gravely to the breathless, babbled words then turned to the doctor and said in eagle tongue great white man an evil thing has befallen the popsy petals our neighbours to the southward the thievish bagjagderags who for so long have cast envious eyes on our stores of ripe corn have gone upon the warpath and even now are advancing to attack us evil news indeed said the doctor Yet let us not judge harshly. Perhaps it is that they are desperate for food, having their own crops frost-killed before harvest. For are they not even nearer the cold south than you? Make no excuses for any man of the tribe of the Bag Jagderags, said Long Arrow, shaking his head. They are an idle, shiftless race. They do but see a chance to get corn without the labour of husbandry if it were not that they are a much bigger tribe and hope to defeat their neighbour by sheer force of numbers they would not have dared to make open war upon the brave popsy petals when we reached the village we found it in a great state of excitement everywhere men were seen putting their bows in order sharpening spears grinding battle-axes and making arrows by the hundred Women were raising a high fence of bamboo poles all round the village. Scouts and messengers kept coming and going, bringing news of the movements of the enemy. While high up in the trees and hills about the village, we could see lookouts watching the mountains to the southward. Long Arrow brought another Indian, short but enormously broad, and introduced him to the doctor as Big Teeth, the chief warrior of the Popsipetals. The doctor volunteered to go and see the enemy and tried to argue the matter out peacefully with them instead of fighting. For war, he said, was at best a stupid, wasteful business. But the two shook their heads. Such a plan was hopeless, they said. In the last war, they had sent a messenger to do peaceful arguing. The enemy had merely hit him with an axe. While the doctor was asking Big Teeth how he meant to defend the village against attack, a cry of alarm was raised by the lookouts. They are coming! The bag jagdarags! Swarming down the mountains in thousands. Well, said the doctor, it's all in the day's work, I suppose. I don't believe in war, but if the village is attacked, we must help defend it. And he picked up a club from the ground and tried the heft of it against a stone. This, he said, seems like a pretty good tool to me and he walked to the bamboo fence and took his place among the other waiting fighters. Then we all got hold of some kind of weapon with which to help our friends, the gallant Popsipetals. I borrowed a bow and a quiver full of arrows. Jip was content to rely upon his old but still strong teeth. Chichi took a bag of rocks and climbed a palm where he could throw them down upon the enemy's heads, and Bumpo marched after the doctor to the fence, armed with a young tree in one hand, and a doorpost in the other. When the enemy drew near enough to be seen from where we stood, we all gasped with astonishment. The hillsides were actually covered with them, thousands upon thousands. 
they made our small army within the village look like a mere handful saints alive muttered polynesia our little lot will stand no chance against that swarm this will never do i'm going off to get some help where she was going and what kind of help she meant to get i had no idea she just disappeared from my side but jip who had heard her poked his nose between the bamboo bars of the fence to get a better view of the enemy and said likely enough she's gone after the black parrots let's hope she finds them in time just look at those ugly ruffians climbing down the rocks millions of them this fight's going to keep us all hopping and jip was right before a quarter of an hour had gone by our village was completely surrounded by one huge mob of yelling raging bag jagdarags and now come again to a part of our story of the voyages where things happened so quickly one upon the other that looking backwards i see the picture only in a confused kind of way i know that if it had not been for the terrible three as they came afterwards to be fondly called in popsipetel history long arrow bumpo and the doctor the war would have been soon over and the whole island would have belonged to the worthless bag jagdarags but the englishman the african and the indian were a regiment in themselves and between them they made the village a dangerous place for any man to try to enter the bamboo fencing which had been hastily set up around the town was not a very strong affair and right from the start it gave way in one place after another as the enemy thronged and crowded against it then the doctor long arrow and bumpo would hurry to the weak spot a terrific hand-to-hand -hand fight would take place and the enemy be thrown out but almost instantly a cry of alarm would come from some other part of the village wall and the three would have to rush off and do the same thing all over again the popsipetels were themselves no mean fighters but the strength and weight of those three men of different lands and colors standing close together swinging their enormous war clubs was really a sight for the wonder and admiration of anyone many weeks later when i was passing an indian campfire at night i heard this song being sung it has since become one of the traditional folk songs of the popsipetels the song of the terrible three oh hear ye the song of the terrible three and the fight that they fought by the edge of the sea down from the mountains the rocks and the crags swarming like wasps came the bag jagdarags surrounding our village our walls they broke down oh sad was the plight of our men and our town but heaven determined our land to set free and sent us the help of the terrible three one was a black he was dark as the night one was a redskin a mountain of height but the chief was a white man round like a bee and all in a row stood the terrible three shoulder to shoulder they hammered and hit like demons of fury they kicked and they bit like a wall of destruction they stood in a row flattening enemies six at a blow oh strong was the redskin fierce was the black bag jagdarags trembled and tried to turn back but twas of the white men they shouted beware he throws men in handfuls straight up in the air long shall they frighten bad children at night with tales of the red and the black and the white and long shall we sing of the terrible three and the fight that they fought by the edge of the sea chapter six general polynesia but alas 
even the three mighty though they were could not last forever against an army which seemed to have no end in one of the hottest scrimmages when the enemy had broken a particularly wide hole through the fence i saw long arrow's great figure topple and come down with a spear sticking in his broad chest for another half hour bumpo and the doctor fought on side by side how their strength held out so long i cannot tell for never a second were they given to get their breath or rest their arms the doctor the quiet kindly peaceable little doctor well you wouldn't have known him if you had seen him that day dealing out whacks you could hear a mile off walloping and swatting in all directions as for bumpo with staring eyeballs and grim set teeth he was a veritable demon none dared come within yards of that wicked wide circling doorpost but a stone skilfully thrown stuck him at last in the centre of the forehead and down went the second of the three john doolittle the last of the terribles was left fighting alone jip and i rushed to his side and tried to take the places of the fallen ones but far too light and too small we made but a poor exchange another length of the fence crashed down and through the widened gap the bag jagdarags poured in on us like a flood to the canoes to the sea cried the popsipetels fly for your lives all is over the war is lost but the doctor and i never got a chance to fly for our lives we were swept off our feet and knocked down flat by the sheer weight of the mob and once down we were unable to get up again i thought we would surely be trampled to death but at that moment above the din and racket of the battle we heard the most terrifying noise that ever assaulted human ears the sound of millions and millions of parrots all screeching with fury together the army which in the nick of time polynesia had brought to our rescue darkened the whole sky to the westward i asked her afterwards how many birds there were she said she didn't know exactly but that they certainly numbered somewhere between sixty and seventy millions in that extraordinarily short space of time she had brought them from the mainland of south america if you have ever heard a parrot screech with anger you will know that it makes a truly frightful sound and if you have ever been bitten by one you will know that its bite can be a nasty and painful thing the black parrots coal black all over they were except for a scarlet beak and a streak of red in wing and tail on the word of command from polynesia set to work upon the bag jaggerags who were now pouring through the village looking for plunder and the black parrot's method of fighting was peculiar this is what they did on the head of each bag jaggerag three or four parrots settled and took a good foothold in his hair with their claws then they leant down over the sides of his head and began clipping snips out of his ears for all the world as though they were punching tickets that is all they did they never bit anywhere else except the ears but it won the war for us with howls pitiful to hear the bag jaggerags fell over one another in their haste to get out of that accursed village it was no use trying to pull the parrots off their heads because for each head there were always four more parrots waiting impatiently to get on some of the enemy were lucky and with only a snip or two managed to get outside the fence where the parrots immediately left them alone but with most before the blackbirds had done with them the ears presented a very singular appearance like the edge of a postage stamp this treatment very painful at the time did not however do them any permanent harm beyond the change in looks and it later got to be the tribal mark of the bag jaggerags 
No really smart young lady of this tribe would be seen walking with a man who did not have scalloped ears, for such was proof that he had been in the Great War. And that, though it is not generally known to scientists, is how this people came to be called by the other Indian nations the ragged-eared bagjagarags. As soon as the village was cleared of the enemy, the doctor turned his attention to the wounded. In spite of the length and fierceness of the struggle, there were surprisingly few serious injuries. Poor Long Arrow was the worst off. However, after the doctor had washed his wound and got him to bed, he opened his eyes and said he already felt better. Bumpo was only badly stunned. With this part of the business over, the doctor called to Polynesia to have the black parrots drive the enemy right back into their own country and wait there, guarding them all night. Polynesia gave the short word of command, and like one bird, those millions of parrots opened their red beaks and let out once more their terrifying battle scream. The bag jaggerags didn't wait to be bitten a second time, but fled helter-skelter over the mountains from which they had come, whilst Polynesia, with her victorious army, followed watchfully behind like a great threatening black cloud. The doctor picked up his high hat, which had been knocked off in the fight, dusted it carefully, and put it on. Tomorrow, he said, shaking his fist towards the hills. We will arrange the terms of peace, and we will arrange them in the city of Bagjagdarag. His words were greeted with cheers of triumph from the admiring pops of petals. The war was over. Chapter 7. The Peace of the Parrots The next day we set out for the far end of the island, and reaching it in canoes, for we went out by sea, after a journey of twenty-five hours, we remained no longer than was necessary in the city of Bagjagarag. When he threw himself into that fight at Popsipetel, I saw the doctor really angry for the first time in my life. But this anger, once aroused, was slow to die. All the day, down the coast of the island, he never ceased to rail against this cowardly people who had attacked his friends, the Popsipetels, for no other reason but to rob them of their corn, because they were too idle to till the land themselves. And he was still angry when he reached the city of the Bag Jagdarag. Long Arrow had not come with us, for he was as yet too weak from his wound. But the doctor, always clever at languages, was already getting familiar with the Indian tongue. Besides, among the half-dozen popsipetals who accompanied us to paddle the canoes was one boy to whom we had taught a little English. He and the doctor, between them, managed to make themselves understood to the bag jagdarags. This people, with the terrible parrots still blackening the hills around their stone town, waiting for the word to descend an attack, were, we found, in a very humble mood. Leaving our canoes, we passed up the main street to the palace of the chief. Bumpo and I couldn't help smiling with satisfaction as we saw how the waiting crowds which lined the roadway bowed their heads to the ground as the little round angry figure of the doctor strutted ahead of us with his chin in the air. At the foot of the palace steps, the chief and all the more important personages of the tribe were waiting to meet him, smiling humbly and holding out their hands in friendliness. The doctor took not the slightest notice. He marched right by them, up the steps to the door of the palace. There he turned around and at once began to address the people in a firm voice. I have never heard such a speech in my life, and I am quite sure that they never did either. First he called them a long string of names. Cowards! Loafers! 
Thieves, vagabonds, good-for-nothings, bullies, and what not. Then he said he was still seriously thinking of allowing the parrots to drive them on into the sea, in order that this pleasant land might be rid once for all of their worthless carcasses. At this, a great cry for mercy went up, and the chief and all of them fell on their knees, calling out that they would submit to any conditions of peace he wished. Then the doctor called for one of their scribes, that is, a man who did picture-writing, and on the stone walls of the palace of Bagjagdarag, he bade them write down the terms of the peace as he dictated it. The peace is known as the Peace of the Parrots, and unlike most pieces, was and is strictly kept even to this day. It was quite long in words. The half of the palace front was covered with picture-writing, and fifty pots of paint were used before the weary scribe had done. But the main part of it was all that there should be no more fighting, and that the two tribes should give solemn promise to help one another whenever there was corn famine or other distress in the lands belonging to either. This greatly surprised the bagjagdarags. They had expected from the doctor's angry face that he would at least chop a couple of hundred heads off, and probably make the rest of them slaves for life. But when they saw that he only meant kindly by them, their great fear of him changed to a tremendous admiration. And as he ended his long speech, and they walked briskly down the steps again on his way back to the canoes, the group of chieftains threw themselves at his feet and cried, Do but stay with us, great lord, and all the riches of Bagjagdarag shall be poured into your lap. Gold mines we know of in the mountains, and pearl beds beneath the sea. Only stay with us, that your all-powerful wisdom may lead our council and our people in prosperity and peace. The doctor held up his hands for silence. No man, said he, would wish to be the guest of the Bagjagdarags till they had proved by their deeds that they are an honest race. Be true to the terms of the peace, and from yourselves shall come good government and prosperity. Farewell. Then he turned and followed by Bumpo, the Popsipetels, and myself, walked rapidly down to the canoes. End of Part 5, Chapter 7